October 2nd, 1999. Drive Me Crazy reunited Melissa Joan Hart with the cat from Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. Wait, that was Adrian Grenier? Wait, it's pronounced Grenier? Angel, the beloved spinoff from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, premiered on the WB. Going against UPN's Shasta McNasty, starring Jake Busey, the less beloved spinoff of Gary Busey. A calculation error was blamed for the destruction of the Mars Climate Orbiter. When asked for a comment, the scientist responsible said, Sorry, I'm not really a math guy. Meanwhile, in Birmingham, England, The Rock faced Triple H in a steel cage at Rebellion. Monkey piss, he's oozing out of his head. This is Helena's cell phone. Guys will all be very disappointed to know that a, that a cursory look around the internet today, Shasta McNasty is not streaming anywhere. Oh man, that um that title sounds really familiar to me. Actually, I, do people just call each other Shasta McNasties now? Like, is that a thing? Well, it didn't. Because I didn't know that that was a TV show. I think it became like sort of like a pop culture, like a, a pre-internet meme almost. Where, yeah, like, it was it, a show so bad with a title so stupid that like it just became like shorthand for like something dumb it was yeah it was like uh upn decided that they weren't going to do homeboys in outer space anymore but they needed something else that uh the internet could lob its early uh its early arrows at do you know what it was about Uh, i assume there was a guy named shasta mcnasty who uh got up to to doings hijinks yeah okay so mcnasty probably from the highlands (laughs) yeah it's a highland name but, like, the Shasta part is really the part that gets me. I'm not really sure I understand the etymology of Shasta. Isn't that, like, a, 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 like a soda brand? I believe there, that is a beverage, yes. Sister it, was Fanta McNasty. But it was all very, like, I feel like very bleached blonde. I think that's the only thing that that show was about. It was, it was like, what? Well, 19- that's, that's what Jake Busey was about. <laughs> it was 1999. Everything was very bleached blonde. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I did like the drive me crazy, drive you crazy, and I can't remember. Uh, but you know what I'm talking about in the intro. Yes. Um, obviously that movie, a classic. But I do like the Sabrina cat joke there because, as you know, I famously have a thing about guys who have faces like cats. Yes. And there is wait, no, no, is this famous? <laughs> I don't know this. <laughs> yes. I I feel like we've discussed this on this podcast before, and then Bobby I... just sent pictures of uh, of Adrian Grenier where he's drawn a cat face on. <laughs> That's... Absolutely. Wait, no, now you're making up shit. No, that does sound <laughs> extremely true. I think Daniel Croxton, I'm sure, will come in and they set the record straight after this drops. But for anyone who's new to the show, if anyone is out there that applies to, uh, I have a crush on every boy. Uh, but a weird thing is I never have a crush on like some big mainstream celebrities like, say, Leonardo DiCaprio or Adrian Grenier. You know why? Because they have faces that look like cats. Same goes for Chase Crawford also a bit of a cat face and i just i can't get into it so uh adrian grenier is on is king of the cat faces to me but i have one you might say the lion king if you will (laughs) he is the the lion king of the cat faces the ultra best example of a cat face but there is i have one 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 more story that i swear we'll talk about wrestling at some point but uh i went to south by southwest one year and i want to say it was like 2011 2012 
and I got maybe the drunkest I've ever gotten in my entire life. And you guys have been there through a lot of it. And I do, I stand by this statement. Uh, so I am so drunk and we're going to see a free show by girl talk at this, like, you know, one of those like South by Southwest things. So there I get absolutely blackout, ridiculously drunk, cannot remember a single thing of the evening. The next morning I wake up and there's all these photos of us with Adrian Grenier. who was ended up <laughs> at the what? show. And it was not like hanging out or anything like that. Like I'm not, it's not like we like had a whole like a uh, night of events with him, but definitely like met him and like took photos. And I have zero recollection of any of it. Wow. I, I imagine drunk Bobby telling Adrian Grenier why he's not attracted to him. <laughs> yeah, I didn't ever tell you, you got a cat like a face. <laughs> <laughs> you got a cat like a face. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like who would be like the ultimate uh, anti-catnip for Bobby. They'd have a cat face and really long hair. <gasps> like Adrian Grenier has like short enough hair, I don't think. I don't think yeah. it's like too long. And, yeah, and yeah. he'd be serving canned corned beef hash. Oh my god. <laughs> this is some fucking like no exit <laughs> shit. Yeah, that's what we yeah, it would be like the like Mr. S is the famouser for, you know, <laughs> all of the famous things that that Bobby is not attracted to. Um other movies premiering that weekend, Three Kings, Mystery Alaska and Elmo's Adventure in Grouchland. But no- uh, I saw one of those. <laughs> Do you know which one? Elmo in Crouchland. I'm guessing it's Three definitely Kings, Elmo's Adventure. But I, yeah, I saw Three Kings. But I also yeah. I like that movie Mystery Alaska. That's one where where uh, Russell Crowe is like a sheriff, but also a hockey player, and Hank Azaria <laughs> brings the New York Rangers to play at like their local like frozen pond. Why? Uh, they, so like they, they did a, a news story on the town or something like the town is like very into hockey, but they have like their, their locals only game. And so it's like, can the locals match up against an NHL team? Is this a comedy? Yeah. Oh, okay. With, with famous comedian, Russell Crowe. Uh, it's like, uh, <laughs> it, it's basically like a, a, an expanded episode of Northern Exposure. Okay. Interesting. But none of those movies, uh, including drive you, drive you drive someone crazy, uh, none of them, could, none of them could unseat Double Jeopardy, which was number one for two weeks so in a row. That's streaming somewhere recently too, because I, I did the other night thinking about playing it. I was like, ooh, Double Jeopardy. <laughs> I thought you meant I thought you meant like the second round of Jeopardy. Wait, what's Double Jeopardy? Was that a movie? What with we, Ashley Judd? Liter- <laughs> yes. Oh right, the one, the one. Yes, yes, yes. It was yes, literally in the intro for the last episode that we were. Aaron, Aaron, I don't. Aaron, I, I usually spend that time like looking at other shit. Aaron, yes, I understand. Aaron, I think I think we have to test to make sure this isn't an Eric and imposter. Like someone hasn't taken over Eric's body and doesn't remember anything. Like, wait, who's Stone Cold Steve Austin? Like, what is? <laughs> yes, it is me. This Eric Jew. Uh, I have not seen any of these. Uh, wrestling shit is is just regular eric over here yes, <laughs> it's normal eric it's not different eric just regular tell me tell me again gay boy what is flippy spinny thing <laughs> 1 minute 32 okay <laughs> <laughs> but uh but you do know uh, double jeopardy is the movie where ashley judd gets framed for murder gets out of jail yes. and then murders her her still alive husband because you're not allowed to go to jail for that, which any law scholar yeah. will tell you. 
So that was that was uh that was in the top in the at the top of the box that was office the, for yes, two the weeks. The number one movie for two weeks. America could not That's get crazy. enough. And it's October. That's dumping season. Back when there were back when there season. were back when there were movie <laughs> seasons. Um, Bobby, yes. what was S Club Seven? Oh my God, S Club Seven was like a pop group. Say okay. you will, say you won't, say la vie. Yeah, S Club Seven. They were like, I think they might have been British or Australian. Because there was like a their, their debut album came out around this time, and the name was resonant enough to me that it like triggered something. But was there? Did they have like a Disney Channel show or something like that too? No, I don't think so. No, they were they were they, they were, were kind of like they were like a British when, they were like a they, Spice Girls sort of like part yes. of that same um yeah like Brit pop that was coming over at the time like as yeah, yeah. Steps I think they were like another girl too. group or something yeah I think they were intergender they were kind of like the the eighteens like with the ABBA cover band like they were like these sort of like pop soup these like pop manufactured groups um that a lot of them came from like the the Brit pop not but not as we know the fun stuff but like you know actual British pop little groups it's weird Speaking that you words. didn't see more like intergender going on in the in the uh the, the boy girl band time i don't know what, uh, you I don't know, know what, what words they I were actually say. they were actually created by former spice girls manager so truly going for that spice girls magic right there yeah, I think there was sort of like, you know, remember at the time like there was like Lou Pearlman was like making all the boy bands like they were like on, there was honestly shows called Making the Band because like music was just like uh, Josie was like the real life Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, this honestly, these guys look like like they were an alternate cast for uh, Degrassi. Yes, ab- yes, that was the vibe. That was totally the vibe. Well, it's good that we're getting into uh, the land of the Spice Girls because welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. I'm your host, Aaron Benoit, and I'm joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Pip, pip, cheerio. (laughs) And experiencing this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Happy to be on the podcast uh, with episodes as long as uh as two hours in america but in england i think it converts to one and a half stone yeah metric time sure and as always it's uh, it's the amount of time it takes the king to beat his (laughs) his uh queen okay um and just another uh a a plea to to our audience it really does help if you do a, a rate and review of us only if it's good though if you don't like us why are you still listening um please rate and review us on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts uh do it right now or grab a friend's phone and do it on their phone too the holidays are coming up you shouldn't be spending time with anyone but if you are just grab their phone and and uh do a little rate and review and if you're and on reddit going... put us on reddit are you on reddit we're not on reddit do you know yeah. how to reddit someone we do a reddit. reddit yeah do a reddit of us uh but yeah we're... like make a sub of us right anyway or Dom, I don't know. Um, we are going to Birmingham, England, for the first ever Rebellion pay-per-view. Speaking of Britain and music, uh, a fun fact I learned while doing research for this, all of this, is around this time, the WWF The Music Volume 4, I believe, came out around this time um, and was hitting, like, uh, platinum, like crazy selling. 
And Bruce Prichard told the story about how in the mid nineties he was having they were having a bunch of meetings around Europe and they met with one Simon Cowell. Simon Cowell had this vision where he said that at the time you had to like do so much, you had to like pay off the radio DJs and whatever to like get your song played and like all the promotion to get it played through the radio stations and the DJs. But he had this theory that you could just promote music on television and make a lot more money and not have to deal with all the pay to play bullshit of radio politics. And he pitched that idea to WWF because they already had this huge following uh, and they have this huge promotional vehicle. And that is, some might say, the early proof model for American Idol. Huh. Wow. Sort of like when you learn that Dolly Parton's production company uh, helped like produce Buffy and you're like, and all the BuzzFeed headlines were like, Dolly Parton made Buffy. This is sort of similar where it's like Shawn Michaels' Sexy Boy is the beginning of American Idol. If anything, it's definitely okay. the the, uh, the genesis of this WrestleMania brought to you by Greenlight by Flowrider. Oh, man. I have, now, it's at the point now where if I hear any Flowrider song, I get, like, triggered and think of wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, suddenly I'm, yeah. like, transported back to the Barclays Center, barely trying to, like, balance myself on the ledge uh, of those seats, <laughs> full of, have a bag of vodka down my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, and that was my that was my uh, Adrian Grenier night right there. <laughs> it was just Nathan. You're like telling everybody I met Adrian Grenier, and then there's just photos of you and Nathan. <laughs> uh, back to music. Anyway. Um, I do not know. I do not know the music, Eric, uh, that starts off the Rebellion UK pay-per-view. But I did have a question very early when they go and say, two men are going to kick some bum. Does bum mean the same yes. thing over there? Or is it like uh, Fanny, that it's something different Fanny. for them? <laughs> uh, I think bum, yeah. I, I, like, they could have come close by saying Fanny, which would have been... I think that'd be funnier, honestly. <laughs> uh, I thought, you know, the intro was, was funny. I'm like... You know, you can just see what, you know, with all the coke going around in the writing room that they were just like, okay, okay, what's England? England's classy, classy, right? Okay, okay. Like, they're in, like, Birmingham, England, which is probably, like, a pretty blue-collar town, right? Like, it's, like, pretty working class, I would think. Is it but there, everything's just like... Is it there Birmingham? Right, I was going to say, Roll Tide. Uh, <laughs> but, like, it's... Uh, you know, like, just because a country, like, you can't classify a whole country as being upper class, right? <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense. But that was the only, like, that's their only touchstone. Of, it's Britain. They're posh over there. And it's like, yeah, no, like, they fucking, they have soccer hooligans. What are you talking about? <laughs> like... I do like that they're getting um, a lot of use out of the the fire video shoot yes. that they did. Yeah, yeah. I was going to note that. I hated, you know, the stupid opening of, like, Mr. Helmsley, Triple H. That was very – I hated I hated that. Uh, yeah. But I did like the then just, like, the, the walking through the, the wreckage of, like, the anarchy and burning buildings and stuff. Yeah, again, it was like it was uh, another – it was like a Raw episode, right? Like, that's how they would start Raw, but it was like, Raw, UK – and so is rebellion meant to be like a taunt against bring uh, against England? Like, ha ha ha, we're doing it again. <laughs> Actually, it's about the boxer rebellion that took place, I believe, in South Africa. The, no, I don't know. It's the rest. It's except this is the wrestler rebellion, which took place in Birmingham. 
Yeah, they all decide. They all tried to unionize, and they got fired. Ooh. Are they going for? <laughs> Sorry, too soon. Yeah, are they going for a communist or a fascist motif? I think they're always going for a fascist motif, right? Except the gear makes me think communist. I don't know the backwards e on know. there that looks like a three two. There was there was a lot going on there. Is this like on the poster? Yeah, and and they would like they'd flash it a lot on the actual sh- screen as well. Let me. I'm looking it up now. I don't know. Is that communism? Oh, okay. The backwards E is a little bit like uh, Cyrillic, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know. Isn't it also a little bit like? Um, I don't know. Is it? Is it meant to be a little bit like hacker code? No. It, it's definitely. It's. It's definitely like Russian. You're right. That doesn't make any sense either. You know, <laughs> who are they? You know, who are they rebelling against? They must be rebelling against the king, and that's why he wasn't there this time. <laughs> yeah, right. What the fuck, man? Big. Uh, that it's a, it's a huge difference to have Michael Hayes instead of uh, Lawler. Any reason why he wasn't there? None that I could find, and I tried to look too. Well, he definitely provided us with uh, something throughout the night. We'll get to that as we go. <laughs> uh, but before the first match, Jeff Jarrett enters with a vacuum cleaner. Eric, did you have any idea what was going on? No, I literally wrote, why does Jarrett have a vacuum cleaner? Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I started to get the, sh- you know, that there's he's got a chauvinist angle, but mm-hmm. like, oh boy. And it makes me wonder, Miss Kitty, the character, is she spending this entire time like, she, you're, you're right, Jeff, you're right. We're, we're, we're like worthless. We're good for nothing. Well, okay. Uh, you know, to be, I guess, to be fair, there are like historical examples of women in Miss Kitty's role. Not who say like, we're nothing, we're worthless, but, but. You know, uh, what was her fucking name? Um, the one, the woman who died recently and like was historically against women's liberation. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, but I'm kind of glad that I don't know her name. Um, anti women's <laughs> dead <lib> woman, <laughs> dead. Uh, no, oh, Phyllis Shafley. Yeah, yeah, Phyllis Shafley. Like she basically. Her whole thing was like, uh, by doing this, you know, like like uh, a woman's true power is in her domestic position. So by doing this, you're actually like uh, removing, you know, you're you're uh, denigrating their femininity. Uh, not that I agree with any of it, but like, you know, it's I think a a, um, a meaningful cosmology behind the Miss Kitty, if you will would be like, you know, stop saying women are, you know, can do everything men can do because women are uniquely different from men and it's uh, taking away our, uh, uh, an aspect of our femininity to say otherwise. Then maybe Miss Kitty should say something instead of just (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Miss Kitty, Miss Kitty takes it from like Lawler, so I don't fucking get what's going on in her head. Also, was that vacuum made out of an old Nintendo? <laughs> I was. It was more less of a vacuum, more of an electric broom. You know what I mean? 
It's just a bunch of gray <laughs> boxes that they've assembled. Uh, no. So Jeff Jarrett um, calls a woman out of the audience and offers her a thousand pounds. I have no idea what the conversion rate was back then for real money, but uh, probably two thousand dollars, right? To see if she could vacuum um, some dirt that he pours in the ring, and then she puts him, her, she puts her, or he puts her in the the figure four leg lock. So my note here was, you think that's a real girl? You fucking moron. You idiot. <laughs> that girl's going for pizza with Jeff Jarrett after the show. Right? Like, she was a plant, right? Yes, yes. Oh, yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> yes, she was a plant. No, Eric, they did. Jeff Jarrett did not put some random English woman in a, in a figure four lock without prior consent. I'm just, I'm just telling you. If if I'm at if I'm if I'm a British uh, bird, if you will, uh, at at Rebellion UK in 1999, and I'm close enough to be seen by Jeff Jarrett, yeah, I'll fucking vacuum whatever you want for a thousand pounds. That sounds great. Do you want to put me in a leg lock? Whatever your fucking kink is, dude, just give me a thousand pounds. Wow, this is the Jane Eyre I never knew I needed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we're going to go into the, the whole Jeff Jarrett storyline in, uh, our next deep dive episode. Um, but I guess the only other thing I want to say is I think that this is good heat that he has right now. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. I, I, this angle is, oh, I mean, do, this angle is bad and stupid and I, I don't even like it as an angle. I don't even like it as like the sort of broad stroke morality play that I think wrestling can often get away with or at least like can at least hide behind that like, yes, we're doing these despicable things and using this despicable language and being really disrespectful. But the bad guy's doing it, which is supposed to which is supposed to reinforce that it's bad. Uh, And I don't always agree with that. I don't think they necessarily do that successfully at all. Most of the time. Um, but with this, like that, I definitely like, that's, that's the idea is that he's doing this and he's getting the desired reaction, which people are hating him for it. And then we had the ceremonial coin flip to determine the championship that will be put on the line. Yep. It's weird. They don't show you the coin. I, uh, I hope that they were, that they were honest about it. It's so weird to me that they're in Europe but they're not going to do anything with the European championship. Well, what's weirder to me is they're flipping a coin to see which belt is on the line, knowing full well that no titles are going to change hands <laughs> because this is a house show. Yeah. Like, what? What? what is the suspense for? But, I mean, Eric, but is... if, you, if you play that thinking out, you're going to be like, Jeff Jarrett comes to the ring, uh, D'Lo Brown comes to the ring, even though he knows he's going to lose because the booker told him in the background. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> At some point, like, you do have to just, like, buy into the illusion. Now, um, at this point, D'Lo Brown's main feud is with Draws, and the uh, this is supposed to be leading to a European championship match at No Mercy. Uh, however, this would not be the case. Yes, we have reached the point where during a uh, SmackDown taping uh, during a match between D'Lo and Draws, uh, D'Lo goes for the running powerbomb. D- uh, Draws is dropped, uh, and he is a quadriplegic. And that, so we will no Wait, longer who, see. Who, so D'Lo and Draws. Who is this? D'Lo and Draws yeah. were in the ring, uh, and Draws got dropped and landed bad, 
the worst way, not, I guess the worst, but landed badly, uh, and became paralyzed and still to this day is paralyzed. Oh, fuck. So we no longer, no longer get draws. And I mean, we've, we've talked a lot about how, how silly kind of like the, the draws look and everything was, but you see him now in interviews and um, Dark Side of the Ring, and I don't know if I could be as as good natured and as as forgiving to to D'Lo as as Draz has become uh, throughout that whole ordeal. And you know, everyone says you know, this is this is with out of doubt just a terrible accident. It wasn't even really a mistake on anybody's part. It was nobody, everyone was doing things right. It was just, you know, the risk that is always there. And it's, you know, just statistically going to happen to someone eventually. And these were just the wrong guys at the wrong time. You know, just, it, it just happened. And so D'Lo obviously and draws, you know, draws doesn't hold animosity towards D'Lo. Obviously it affected D'Lo deeply for the rest of his life. Uh, and, but, you know, he had to internalize that this is just a terrible thing that happened. Jesus, that fucking sucks. And Draws was at the time. I mean, like you know, they like said the gimmick was silly, but of course, it's it's really silly in twenty twenty eyes. I mean, in the nineties, it was uh, silly, but kind of cool, I guess, to some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he still had a really promising career ahead of him. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. It's definitely one of the big what ifs. So this Did, is uh, that... the, the the footage was edited before, obviously, anything went on air. And this is, there are two pieces of footage in the WWE vault that are marked, do not view, copy, or, or destroy. Uh, and it's this and Owen Hart. And those are the two, the only two pieces of footage with that classification. God damn. Did WWE take care of Draws after? Yes, yes. Apparently incredibly well. And I think still to, like, to this day. So that sucked a lot of the fun out of here, but this match was, I think, um, a very fun, high-octane house show match. Yeah, both these guys could go. I did, um, I was curious if Jeff Jarrett's um, gear would glow in the dark, because it was that exact shade of green that (laughs) I feel like it was like the stars on my ceiling when I was in middle school, and like if I left the lights on all day for them to charge up, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Did you arrange constellations above your head, Bobby? Yeah, and of course I got. I didn't get like the big thick plastic ones. I got like uh-huh. the hundreds of tiny little sticker ones. Um, <laughs> so it took like forever, but it it did look so fucking dope. Honestly, I kind of want to do it now. Would that be weird? Okay, you know what? Let's cut this. Okay. <laughs> Are they still there in your childhood bedroom? I, I don't know. We moved out of that house, but I think they paint. Oh, I know right. they painted over it. Um, I think they just paint. I think they just painted over it. And it was kind of like a popcorn ceiling that you're like, wait a minute, are those star shapes? You look really closely. <laughs> but I don't have anything else to say about this one. Eric? No, it's going to be a recurring theme, I have, I'm afraid, for this pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? Stuff. Um, ends with a Miss Kitty distraction leading to a vacuum to D'Lo Brown's face. But Jeff Jarrett is going to challenge China tonight. I liked that. I, You know what? I, I think especially... I guess they do these at house shows a lot, uh, where they kind of like weave this sort of like a uh, bottle story in, you know, 
and this is sort of obviously part of the bigger story they're doing, but still they kind of have like a one night, like they have a little mini arc that happens in this one, this one show. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciated that. Yeah. I think, I think that bottle episode is like a very good uh, way to, to view these types of shows. It, it reminds me almost of like, uh, if you go to like, see like a show at Disney or you know what I mean? You go to Disney World, yes. or one of those, yes. the park shows that repeat yes. like twice a day, and it's like, but it's always a thing. It's like we've got to accomplish this task, and like the whole thing, like that's what this felt like. It's yeah. set up like a, ooh, it's a special little thing we're gonna see now. Yeah, yeah, or it's like, um, you know, the way that like in medieval times, you know, there's always the, you know, there's always the knight that is gonna be the the evil knight for that night, you yeah. know, and like. They go through the whole thing. It's like, oh man, I hope this. Wait, I hope Eric, they conquer the Black Knight. Eric, no spoilers. I've never been to medieval times. I've also never been to medieval <laughs> times. And now we. I've been in at least twice. <laughs> yeah. Listen, listen. Uh, you know, uh, abolish medieval times is rent. They cannot sustain that that whole stadium. And uh, you know they they can't do it on on the Cornish game hen deals that they're cutting. I also, mean, like, what a mind fuck it would be to see virtual medieval times like via Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, Mister, what's oh, that window God. you're holding? <laughs> what's those tiny men in there? Uh, true, right, like true story they about- do it the way that they do those comedy shows. Go on, sorry. True story about Bobby Hagginson that I can't remember who told me this one. When he went to the Renaissance Fair, <laughs> was almost immediately accosted by someone who, who he's wearing glasses. He goes, "Oh, I missed it. What are those windows on your face?" Oh God! All I wanted, I did not. I never wanted to go to the Renaissance Fair because I hate, as you know, I hate pranks and I also hate like. <laughs> Being like the center of attention or being like picked How? on in that kind of way. Wait, is, wait. The Renaissance know, Fair is not a prank. Yes. No, no. How is this? No, no. I, I, I need to hear this this whole logic mapped out on how the okay. Renaissance Fair is. I hate when I have to play along. Is it a prank along... on time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you thought you were in 2020? No. I just mean I like to go. I don't like to go to places like haunted houses or whatever where I have to be interacted with. I want to be able to just like explore the space on my own. And like not be pointed out or like not be put on the spot. And I didn't want to go to the right. Renaissance Fair because I knew I was gonna, there's going to be busty wenches everywhere who were going to be like, wah, wah. I, I just didn't want to have to interact or like play with anyone. I wasn't in the mood to play with anyone because I think it's kind of weird and cheesy. And it was going kind of yeah. semi-ironically just to like get drunk and like in, in a different location. And <laughs> in a different I, era. My friends were like, let's go to the Renaissance Fair. It'll be really fun. And I was like, no, absolutely will not. I do not want to do this. And I was like, just, I'll go only on the condition that you promise me no one, I won't have to like try to like play Renaissance with anyone. Like, I don't want to have to try to like <laughs> play the game and like figure out like, uh, you know what I mean? I didn't want to be in an improv scene. I didn't want to. And of course, like truly, I mean, the turnstile was still clicking as I was entering <laughs> when this person approached me and it was oh, oh, what are those windows on your face and i was like oh god, oh god i tried to ignore i tried to like smile and ignore them almost like kind of like uh like being accosted by a crazy person on the street like trying to be like okay and like keep moving and like she was relentless to the point where i think one of my uh, friends had to be like listen he's not really gonna do this <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i i'm i'm with you on that like i i don't like having to be an unwilling partner in a scene yeah you know where it's like okay how 
Well, how do I play to this one? Am I supposed to be? The, what am I? The straight man? Do I have to explain to you what glasses are now? I know. Like, um, I was once at a. I once went to like some sort of like premiere or something for like a. It was like maybe a short movie where there was um there was like a puppet right like a, like a like a muppet type thing and i was at a, a the after party for it you know there was there was, it was like uh hors d'oeuvres and drinks or whatever and one of the people and, and you were drinking all night this, and then you look back and there were all these pictures of you and the puppet <laughs> yeah it was me it was no that's that's adrian grenier adrian grenier looks like a muppet the whole time um no but like uh, there is uh like there was a one of the people in the I guess in the in the the short film was like walking around with his puppet and like like at one point he came to talk to me and like when you have somebody who's talking to you through a puppet it's very hard to know who to make eye contact with <laughs> like I was like do I your biggest He'd, like ask me you, questions you and I'd be like be answering and I'm like do I talk to him is it rude if I'm not talking to the muppet like what do I do <laughs> I that matters I got very uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> It was it, it made me very uncomfortable I was like I don't know I don't know like should I be playing along to the to the you know am I am I breaking the fourth wall by talking to the man with his hand up the guy's ass Yeah it oh sounds God. like the fourth wall is very important to both of you well, and I feel like the three of us have this in common. As, I don't know, maybe you guys will disagree, but I feel like I'm always picked on. Like, not picked on in a bad way, but like, I'm always like picked in the crowd or whatever because I have one of those faces. I'm paying attention. I'm smiling. I'm like nodding and tracking the speaker. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I feel like I give people energy. Like, I want to be picked on when I don't. I just want to like give them yes. good vibes. Be like, I'm supporting you and your art that you're making or yes. whatever you're doing, uh, but don't involve me. Yeah. But that, I'm not oh. in it. And also, like, if I'm, I'm here to be entertained, not to do the entertaining. <laughs> When, yeah, oh, this happens when, a lot at comedy shows. Sorry, when when I'm in Disney World, I raise my hand for anything that they ask for volunteers for. It's <laughs> <laughs> not my energy. I am off I duty, was, honey. I was yep, in same. the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular. <laughs> I would kill someone for a video of it. Kill someone <laughs> with my bare hands. Um, there's definitely a picture. I'll I'll, I'll dig out the picture, but it would be, oh, that would I make my day. It. Okay, that would make my whole day. Yeah, I absolutely would be. I'd be like, no, I don't want to have to worry about performing in this. I just want to, I want to be behind. Like whenever I, I feel like even when I've been at like small comedy shows where I just, as as Bobby, you were describing, like I just, I watch and and listen actively. Like I'm like into it. And then they're just like, oh yeah, like you, well, you know, <laughs> talk to me about something. And I'm like, no man, I don't want to talk to you about anything. I haven't thought about this as much as you have. Also, I was already doing you a favor. Like I was already, <laughs> I was already giving you so much and yet you want yeah, more. This was my participation was to watch you and to not talk to my friend. Yes. Oh yeah. I hate it so much. <laughs> We've only talked about one match. And that, match, well, we're, and that match was six minutes long. Our our pacing is the direct and and uh, polar opposite of the pacing of this pay per view, which was like bump 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 bump. Like we like by this time in the pay per view, there were four matches that already took place. Yes. Okay. Also, I got to tell you, I think. We we are geniuses, okay? Because these pay per views are created where the front half of the pay per view is not good because it's the undercard and the back half is really good, and so we front load our episodes with a lot of like fun and memories and uh, back and forth, and then we focus on the matches in the end. I honestly think it's a winning formula. You can use that in your reviews <laughs> on iTunes. 
man. Okay, okay so, so Godfather versus Gangrel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pimp versus the vampire. Ah, classic. Tale as old as time. <laughs> oh, man. Michael Hayes said a lot of things when The Godfather came out with some of England's finest hoes, but the one that stuck to me the most was when he goes, Hello, baby, as if he thought that that was the quote from Austin Powers. (laughs) (laughs) Do I make you horned up? (coughs) Oh, my God. Um, I actually wrote, Do I hate Michael Hayes more than Lawler? And then I wrote, I think so. Maybe. I never thought I'd miss Lawler. I've never seen someone who was such a morning radio DJ off air. (laughs) It doesn't. Like, he has big morning radio. He's like, okay, Cleveland. Welcome to Birmingham. Hello, lady. But not, oh, that guy got a little Valvinacy at the end. But you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I feel like Michael Hayes (laughs) just gives me, like, shock jock energy. Like, he should have, like, a soundboard with toilet flushes nearby. I mean, he also dresses like a shock jock. Like he, he's always got like you know the the uh, tight collared tee with uh, or not well, not, I guess you know the the crew neck tee with uh, the gold chain and his hair pulled back. Like he looks like the guy who invented the word payola. Like <laughs> your B sides never get on the radio unless uh, you got a little something. What are you gonna sweeten for me? Just so you know, guys, uh, in the chat, I just sent the picture of me and my girlfriend at the time in our Indiana Jones stunt spectacular costumes. Wait, you were dating somebody and volunteered? Yeah. What were you playing? Wow. Pe- people caught in a rainstorm? <laughs> yeah, no. I, this was. You mean this is the ET stunt spectacular? <laughs> like you were, you were ET and she was Elliot, right? They were. They just put us in like vaguely Middle Eastern like ponchos. Oh my God, that's supposed to be Middle Eastern. That's now become offensive. <laughs> also, the middle the the Middle Easterns are what well, I don't. Yeah, there's a lot to this. It looks more like like a Middle Eastern inspired arrow pastel. <laughs> it was uh, it was two thousand shit, two thousand ten. So it was a different time for all of us. Now you guys are ready to go uh, wait over the bridge by the log flume when it finally goes and hits the, the last drop and the wave of water comes and hits? Right? That's exactly. a thing at the exactly. log flume. Yeah, exactly. Splash okay. Mountain. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think in terms of great adventure, I never spent much time at uh, Disney World. We know, Eric. I'm sorry. I hate, I hate everything about it. Well, I hate that I, I missed all of that in my life. The end of this match, they go, that was a hard-fought victory. Really? The match was, like, four minutes long. Yeah, right? Like, uh, also, did you guys notice that Godfather called Gangrel a vampire? <laughs> I didn't think he was allowed to say that. Hey, vampire man. Uh, maybe the rules yeah. are different in England. Gothic lifestyle right. doesn't translate over there, so they just got to go straight up with vampire man. Well, no, I mean the the IP doesn't transfer, so like they don't have, yeah, they don't have Vampire uh, the Masquerade. Va- but yes, I always I was like Magic the Gathering Vampire that yeah, they don't have they it, that's not uh, legally bound, binding in England. Oh, I also noticed that the Godfather had a bu- like renamed a bunch of his finishing moves. The pimp drop, yeah, the hoe train and the pimp drop. 
But it's a lot better than the Death Valley drop. Well, that's the traditional. That's like the 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 official move name was a Death Valley driver. Was, oh, okay. But I mean, the fact that they don't call it that anymore is great. Yeah, that he like kind of put his own spin on it. Kind of like I mean, the Velveteen Dream problematic. Uh, but uh, has the Dream Valley driver, which is like a modification. Like it's almost like a rolling Death Valley driver. We just call that a a person in a jeep, right? Sorry. <laughs> that's, so dumb. that's the dumbest thing I've ever said. Wow. This one's. I think someone should put this episode in the vault and say, do not. <laughs> right. Do not copy. Do, do not delete. Destroy. Yeah. Okay. Right. So we cut to uh, to China backstage. Where, does she say that Jeff has vagina envy or vagina? She sure envy? does. Vagina. Okay. She said vagina envy. <laughs> sure. And then the British bulldog comes out and insists that everyone is there to see him. Cool. <laughs> sure, Jan. Like that's that the big big sure Jan energy on that one. <laughs> but he's gonna go find Vince and demand a title match tonight. And yeah, that- someone needs to put him back on leash. Is this before or after in timeline, Aaron? Because I'm I'm confused because we did we've done so much like watching. Is, uh-huh. is this before or after he was um just like left laying in a pile of dog shit? This is is after after. Oh. after. Okay, great. Well, I definitely think that he should do it for title shot after that, or title <laughs> shit. Am I right? Okay. <laughs> hey, hey. I don't know. I'd have to go back to the notes for that one. But uh, well, yeah, I think it was after. Either way, he was his star was not on the rise. <laughs> Next, we had uh, had Val Venus come out and say that he's a lot like rugby because they both have balls. It can get rough, and the object is to score. So he just described eighty percent of every team sports. sport. So yeah. bad. This I, was really bad. I wrote rugby, football, water polo, like literally a bunch of them. Also, you know what? Rugby, the sexiest sport. You heard it here first, folks. Rugby is the sexiest sport. And so I think he could have done a lot better with this. But I actually don't know if it translates to heterosexuals. So now that I'm hearing it out loud, I'm going to take it back a little bit. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, he could. T- I mean, if he, if he was a little bit more enlightened, he could talk about the scrum. Mm. He could talk about a bunch of men in a group, you know, in a, in a big group together. Keep going. But <laughs> <laughs> you're almost, I'm almost there. <laughs> Rugby shirts. Ugh. <laughs> Rugby shorts? Come on. Jock straps? We, I can do this all day. The kit? The long socks? Come on, guys. The thighs? The thighs. <laughs> and then Mark Henry comes out and says nothing, uh, despite the fact that his storyline, which we might get into in a deep dive down the road, is he's admitted he's a sex addict and is in therapy for it. Man, there's a lot going on with... with sexual chocolate like he's got he's got you know health problems he's got sex you know addiction problems he contains multitudes because he ate them <laughs> by the way there's a part where jr is like talking about uh the thickness of mark henry and i was just like waiting for him to just call mark henry a chunky boy <laughs> 
Did anyone else hear this? And this isn't for. But did anyone else hear an air horn go off multiple times yesterday? I think I did. I was. I, I thought maybe the president was dead, uh, and I got really excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I did hear somebody. I did hear somebody like. Um, it felt like a neighbor or something like like uh, screaming out the window and cheering, but I wasn't sure what the deal was. Okay, did so? Did something um, happen that none of us know? <laughs> Not that, yeah, there I hasn't like, been any follow-up. read the news. I don't know. I don't think I missed anything. But the I czar definitely... has abdicated power. It's like, wait, we have a czar? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I mean, that's how I found out that he lost with someone screaming in the street. So I feel like this is how I would feel. <laughs> right. I get all my good news now. <laughs> <laughs> we need to go back to town criers. Literally, I truly heard that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died and that uh, Joe Biden was officially declared president-elect, both from people screaming in the street. <laughs> Wait, was somebody running around the street screaming, Ginsburg's dead! No, honest Wait. to God, it was. I was out at Branded eating dinner, and someone on Vanderbilt, who was also eating, got the notification on their cell phone, I guess, first, and yelled it out to the whole street, and the whole street got crazy quiet, and then people started crying. It was weird. <laughs> Oi, mister, did you hear a roof made of Ginsburg dead? There's a lot of Oi, mister. You there, boy! Episode. Get me the largest Christmas turkey you could find. <laughs> All right, let's not uh, waste our funny. Let's get back to it. We go. Are back. we cutting this out? No, oh, I was like, I thought... I, I, I'm, I'm using it. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Um, I just meant because the the air horn reference from our neighborhood might not be that typical, but that's fine. Keep it in. Well, it's a bonus app. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a bonus app when nobody pays for any bullshit. <laughs> So then we go backstage where uh, where Vince and uh, Shane are, are looking over documents. Stephanie is on the phone and Bulldog is mad because he's not getting a, a, a title shot tonight. And he finds literally the biggest trash can in the world. Like that trash can took up three quarters of that room. That's an outside trash can, too. Yes. Why is that trash can inside? That's an outside trash can. <laughs> launches it across the room and then we're told that it hit stephanie mcmahon now never mind the fact that the camera work on this was truly sus like there nothing landed anywhere near where anyone was and then like stephanie's on the ground and there's no trash can anywhere in the vicinity (laughs) the trash can must have bounced off her head and flew back across the room in a way that defies all kinds of human physiology Kevin Costner is a, is in a room in front of a bunch of senators analyzing the footage. Yeah, I got it. JFK. Okay, JFK. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll see the trash can goes back and to the left. Zapruder UK, 99. All right. Zapruder film? Yes, okay, well, exactly. Okay. Um... The women's match is next, and I started off like, wow, Tori has never looked this good before in any of her outfits. And then we got Hell Yeah Jackie and Hell Yeah Luna, and then Ivory is just like, oh, okay, Ivory's still here. Ivory has such weird old lady in young lady energy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, she reminds me of, like, when, she, when I close my eyes and I hear her, I see Fabulous Moolah. Uh-huh. But that I open my eyes and I see Tori. You know what I mean? Like, it's just somewhere of, like, it's someone took those two and put them in a large Hadron Collider. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tori was hanging out with with May Young backstage, and it's like, man, I think I have it rough. And I'm like, no, I think I have it rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she is. She's definitely an old soul. Yeah. Um There's something. Yeah, there's something about the crinkle in her eyes that's just like, yeah, all right. And she's got this kind of like raspy voice. That's a little like a. I don't know. It reminds me of like, like they should like have like a, a like she should be wearing a visor and sitting at a, a slot machine. Like, is she o- is she over with the crowd at all? I don't, I don't think, so. think so. No, not it's. I mean, the women. This is like this isn't the worst the women's division will get by any stretch, but this is just in its largely ignored phase where they're like literally where it's honestly scripted to be the bathroom break. And it is. I mm. mean. It's a super low bar. This is one of the better women's matches I think that we've watched. And that I think is more a, a testament to how low that bar is. Well, there's four real workers in there. All four mm-hmm. of these women are trained and can do it. None of them are. I mean, I think probably in a, in a vacuum, Luna and Jackie are the most, have the most like raw ability. Agreed. Uh, but no one cared. No, uh, you could tell, like, no, uh, they were putting the work in, but it just, you know, there was no heat from the crowd, and no one, get, no one gives a shit. We did have uh, Michael Hayes channeling his inner Don Imus with that talk about a hoe train line in the mm. middle. God, I mean, the depths. I'm like, I am just like cringing on the inside because now, now we're starting to get a lot of the stuff that I, I remember not liking about this time, and man, this is really some of it and we'll get into a lot of that on our next deep dive oh yeah and beyond jeez and beyond yeah although isn't didn't you tell me the other day this is right around the time that lita so i believe this is right around because i you know when i do these researches i'm like you know uh getting a lot of the contextual stuff that's happening around the same time and lita i believe is signed around this time uh real name amy dumas she was currently working in ECW, I believe. And her character's name is Miss Congeniality, I want to say. Uh, and That's she good. just fucking rules. And, like, she trains with the Luchas, and she can speak Spanish and English, um, which will all be important with her introduction coming sh- soon. And she's just the fucking coolest thing. I mean, like, I am truly... I feel like a little kid on Christmas, like, just, like, so excited for her to arrive because one of my absolute favorite performers of all time. And then, meanwhile, we go backstage where the British Bulldog thinks that Vince McMahon owes him an apology. Good God. Yeah, so much have to deal with. Let me tell you, <laughs> David Boy Smith didn't do any um, guest spots on, on Walker, Texas Ranger, okay? Let's just, let's just say that much. You didn't see him in the Marine or in the Queen's Guardsman or whatever. The Beefeater 3. <laughs> Meanwhile, Road Dog's out there playing the hits. You uh, mean playing the hits against Jericho? Yeah, well, I mean the Oh, you didn't know your ass better on or the everything. Mic? Yeah. Yeah. And we got him against uh Chris Jericho and I think one of the better matches of the night. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. one of the better matches of the night. Um Jericho at this point, you know, I've been reading his book from this time period. There's not a lot about this specific match, but at this point in Jericho's career, things are not going well at the WWF. He's not getting over like he should. Um, you, you know, I think we talked a little bit about Vince Russo leaving. Vince Russo was one of his big supporters who brought him over, so he's really worried about his spot. He's getting kind of reputation with the other guys, but 
of being too arrogant, working too stiff, because he's used to working with, like, Benoit and Guerrero and those guys. Um, he's struggling to hit the character beats, even though we really appreciate the humor. I think, like, he was trying to figure out how to be, like, not just a cowardly heel, but someone who could be taken seriously as a main eventer. And so he's, like, all over the place to the point, and he had some real shit matches to the point where the management had him run all of his matches through X-Pac. So I think that's wow. the point we're at where this road dog oh, match is boy. Um, things are going to turn for Jericho very soon. He's going to, uh, uh, big things are, are coming very quickly. Imagine, so imagine having couple... to go to Sean Waltman for approval for anything. Though, you know what? The more I, I dig into this time period, the more I'm learning that, like, although uh, X-Pac is a terrible name for a wrestler, Sean Waltman has a lot of problems outside of the ring. Um, he's really regarded as one of the actual best in-ring workers of all time. What? People, people say that he's one of the best wrestlers of all time. And I think I don't I think it has more to do with that. like his I think it has more to do with like his style and his selling and his smoothness and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's not that he's the biggest star. I don't think anybody says he's the biggest star of all time, but one of the best like workers in the ring of all time. Yeah, and we'll get to it, I don't, but, but I, I don't think I it. think you can see that in his match with the British Bulldog. Yeah. I mean, most Xbox matches are solid. I think I can't remember yeah. any. I can't remember any ones that are five star classics. But he can get over with anyone. He can really like mm-hmm. carry a match. Is what he sort of has his reputation for, and that's why he's given the trust of like running through Xbox. All right, I guess so. I mean, look, I you know it's one. I, you know, it's uh, he's like a, a hamburger wrestler, right? Like he's never gonna he's never gonna really elevate anything. But you know, you won't you won't go wrong having him. Um. What? Th- so a couple things from during this uh, Road Dog Jericho match. There's a point where um, there Jericho and Road Dog were. There was a superplex happening, right? And at some point, and I think Jericho was being was having the superplex delivered onto him. At one point, like Jericho, like waved off. He did like he did something where he looked like he was waving off the ref. I wasn't really sure what was going on there. Did you Did you guys catch that? No. No. All right, uh, and then I also one other thing. Just well, in there general, might have been. I thought it was, well, if you mean like before, as he was like positioning him before the move. Yeah. So I mean, like technically, by the rules, they only have five seconds in the corner, you know, it's like, or ten seconds or whatever. They have like a limited amount of time. So the ref try, is supposed to like in kayfabe, like supposed to be like breaking him up, getting some space between them, getting them off the corner. So he might have been just like playing up the the sort of fantasy with that. Like, like I don't, I don't, out, like, out of my I don't face, need I'm you d- to break this up. Out of my face, like I'm, yeah. I'm not done. I'm not done with him yet. Well, I mean, even though he was the one that he, that was going to be superplexed. Oh, so he was way. That's why he, while he was being positioned that way. So the, I don't know. Maybe the ref was in the yeah. way of the move, and he was like, literally, like, get out of the way, <laughs> so I don't land on you. Yeah. Um. Also, I, I, you know, we've talked about this before, but very interesting to me that. Jericho is a high flyer in this match and also a heel. Hmm. And Road Dog is definitely not either of those things. That fucking uh, jump to the ring post to the springboard dropkick, that was fucking dope. I love that yep. move. He's done that. We've seen them do that in a bunch of his matches, even before this, too. I, I like that spot a lot. Um, I really liked uh, the way he sold Road, uh, Road Dog's reversal on the walls of Jericho, too. Yeah, good stuff. This was, this yeah. was, this was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, does Curtis Hughes have any other face 
Like, is he capable of other facial expressions? No, and according to Jericho's book, did I tell you this already? He's a narcoleptic. Oh, yeah. You did tell yes, you did that. say okay. that. You didn't yes. mention that. And Chris, So uh, maybe he was asleep. Jericho hated working with him. Uh-huh. He thought he sucked. Yeah, well, I mean, he hasn't added anything yet, so. Yeah. Are you ready to, uh, ready to go to, uh, the people? Oi, mister, are you in Iraq? (laughs) I, can I say, you know, I, I think on record, I don't think we ever really like any of the, uh, the pay-per-views that, that go to England because, you know, they don't advance any stories. It's pretty much just a, a glorified house show. But the one thing I absolutely love about them is their insistence on visiting the people because, <laughs> holy shit, it's never it's never a letdown, honestly. It's always it's so good. these, like, Dickensian street urchins and chimney sweeps. You're like, where did you find these people? Central casting? I came, I came, like, I came all the way from Bristol to be here. To yeah, be- yeah, I come all the way from Bristol. I came um, in from Gravesend. <laughs> oh, it's a like, lovely holiday with Rocky. <laughs> like, let's let's go back to that intro for a second, where they're like, "Oh, it's Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I came all the way from Bristol." Like. <laughs> These guys are not classy. My favorite favorite moment though is when they just cut to a police a Bobby who's just like, oh, yes. the crowd has been very well natured so far. It's like, great. What did that add to anything? Well, you know, all of these all of these cities are being turned over by uh you know, radical anti-fascist WWE fans who just want to know what if you smell what they're cooking. I have like no notes for Jeff Jarrett versus China except for like what happens in there. I have I have one note before this. Uh mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys noticed when uh JR they they were they were showing JR and um Michael Hayes and behind them they there were mm-hmm. these fans uh-huh. who had uh-huh. like a bunch of mylar balloons, like inflated mylar balloons. How did they get them into the arena? Like did they did they inflate them there? Did they bring a tank of nitrous with them? Like, how does that... How Wait. do you even get balloons in without being noticed? You think those were filled with nitrous? <laughs> <laughs> well, they were just they were just doing whippets. Well, um, okay, helium. Well, they, how do you... They, they have a helium tank? Though, guys, doing nitrous at a WWE event, let's add to the list of things we should do. Fucking <laughs> up again. I will a hundred percent if I did if I did nitrous at the Barclays, I would a hundred percent topple over you and fall literally fall death. all the way yeah. down. Yes. How, how does that not That's... happen ev- t- scientifically to every single person who goes to Barclays every single time? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's it, like being in an Escher painting. It doesn't make any sense. It is the steepest anything. There's nothing narrowest ledge than the upper level. <laughs> And you're trying to get in front of other people on on a balance beam, basically. How when I am like... trying, when you try to shuffle, if you're like in a middle seat trying to get to the aisle, I have to turn my feet, toes in opposite directions outwards and shuffle sideways. <laughs> I can't yes. even keep it. <laughs> like, you're <laughs> like I'm doing plies as I go across. I can't even fit my whole fucking foot forwards you just bend at the knees i have to turn them to the opposite sides and and shuffle out that way (laughs) 
Yeah, no, I, I go, I walk into the Barclays like a normal human being, and then as soon as I get to my seat, I become like Jimmy Stewart in Vertigo. I'm just like, whoa, everything starts like popping up at me, and like, Literally, it start, like the, they start playing with the depth of the, of the camera. Uh, going to Barclays is like being in Paper Mario. <laughs> it's like, all of a sudden you turn sideways, you have to be two-dimensional to get anywhere. <laughs> Anyway, how do they get those fucking balloons in? Any, no, that's what I'm curious about. <laughs> We're still on the balloons. Were they uh, like character? Like, they're Mylar balloons, so do they have like things on them? What was it? Were they like happy birthday balloons? I mean, honestly, they just look like big, shiny like balloons that were that were right in the camera, and like the security guys came to remove the balloons. So you know that like. You know that the, that the people do not want balloons there, and that's the reason why I think it's so weird that balloons were there in the first place. It's not like you can just hide them. Like you don't you don't dress them up in a trench coat and call them like your dad who took you to the show. Well, you know, I, I mean, as someone who's brought a full handle of vodka into an arena, I think there's a where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> Yeah, like I don't know. Maybe they, maybe somebody hid them in like the toilet tank in the bathroom, and somebody excused themselves. Also, and, don't forget you know, they went back to get them. It's nineteen ninety nine. The Jenko jean legs are very roomy. You could put. <laughs> I bet I could have fit a whole a whole, a whole fucking uh, tank of uh, helium in my in my kickwear pants into the arena if I really if I really thought about it. Tied it to my thigh. <laughs> I did. I did once uh, sneak an entire bottle of wine into a movie theater because I happened to be wearing Jenkos. Like they, like I had, I had pockets that were deep enough to fit an entire bottle, like a, a seven hundred fifty milliliter bottle of wine. Ugh, love that. Oh, I miss drinking in a movie theater. <sighs> bummers. Yeah, I brought. I brought it to Zoolander. What a 90 sentence. You're like, I brought a bottle of wine <laughs> in my in my Janko jeans to go see Zoolander. <laughs> right. I got like Bartle, a big Bartles and James. I don't, what, what's like a, like, you know what's what? Really you know what? Slow down, Shasta McNasty, okay? <laughs> so Jeff Jarrett in China, anybody got anything? Decent match. This is, you know, they're doing they're doing their thing. I thought this was fun. Okay. It wasn't a great match by any stretch, but it was a fine. It was fine. Ends with a bulldog um, attack. Yeah, I, yeah. I just wrote more bulldog Jesus. Um, not that bulldog is a bulldog Jesus, just meaning like fuck. I can't take any more bulldog. He's the Messiah Whoa. to all bulldogs. <laughs> yes, the father, the son, the uh, holy canine. And then we go to the uh, Virgin Records store where everyone's there to meet The Rock. And Big Show says something that I, was completely inaudible to me. Could not, cannot understand it. Uh, truly like he was chewing the camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I want the Big Show and Kane to have a dope match so bad. And I don't think I ever going to get the match that I want out of the two of them. Not soon. Maybe we get it like way later. Yeah. No, this is this was like whatever. Um couple of notes that I have. Uh this is I think the closest I feel like each time we see Big Show, 
he comes closer and closer to having a normal beard. Like, in this time, like, it's almost all there, but he just keeps shaving just underneath his chin. And, like, all he has to do is just not do that and connect the already giant sideburns that are, like, crawling under his face. But are you going to give uh, fashion advice to the big show in 1999, considering you just said you wore Jenko jeans that you could fit a bottle of wine in to go see Zoolander? Uh, I was on a date, I'll have you know. <laughs> First that, of day, all, that day went really bad, and I wound up getting way too drunk and, and very uh, uh, sad at the end of it. So, well, yes. That sounds like her right. loss, because <laughs> if I went on a date with a guy and he pulled a bottle of wine out of his Janko jeans, I'd marry him on the spot. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was a catch, motherfucker. Um, also, uh, I'm... Um, I suddenly, you know, when Kane made his appearance, I suddenly entered the Bobby camp of, I think, Kane. I think this might be the beginning of, of Wig Kane. Thank I think you. this looked like a wig to me. Thank you. This might, it, that hair looked ratty as shit. Another thing that was uh, weird to me just in general about the match was if this match was like, um, you know, a no rules match, there's no, uh, what, what do you call it? You can't. Uh, the, a no uh, DQ match. No DQ match. Thank yeah. you. Um, why did it take so long to use a chair? I agree. Like, why wouldn't they go for the chairs really early? It's a no DQ match. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a house show in England and you don't want to risk injury, I guess. I thought it was, and really, also like, really what dumb. do they call a chair in England? You know, is it a stool? Is it a a sitter? I don't know. <laughs> Grab a foldy from the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why don't you have yourself a sit tight? I think we're still like the number like a hundred and eleventh wrestling podcast in Great Britain, but that might be not for long. Going by the wayside after this one. Listen, I want, I, I want, I, I'm hoping this gives us that cheap heat that brings us up into the upper hundred. There we go. Uh, you know, they're just like, "Oi, listen to this podcast where they make fun of us." Aren't they the worst? We did get that that one dope video message from that guy in the uh, Scottish Highlands who was just talking about how much he hated it. So who knows? Wait, he talked about how much he hated us? No, he hated the Scottish Highlands. Oh, yeah, 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 I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, four years ago, or two months ago, or, or however time works. Yeah, true. <laughs> Big yes. Oh, wait, are we at a renaissance fair? You know Bobby doesn't like pranks. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> time just changed? No. No, sir, it did not. I still can't figure out the... the the proper uh, portmanteau for the Boston Crab and the Boston Tea Party? Hmm. Boston Crab well, I, Party has no, a completely different connotation. I know, but I would love I mean, the Boston the Boston, Crab the Boston Tab. <laughs> it's like the Boston Tab. <laughs> I don't know. This match was whatever. Yeah. Kane wins, and then we go backstage where Triple H only cares about the title. And then they go into that that WWF bullshit where they are, are trying to sell the British Bulldog as one of the strongest men in the world. You have Mark Henry there tonight, so he's not even the strongest man in that arena. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like it's like when they used to ask the Beatles if Ringo Starr was the was the best drummer in the world. And they're like, he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> oh, poor Ringo. Yeah, yeah, apparently that 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 was apocryphal. I don't know. But um, yeah, in my notes, I've just got X Pac is very good because X Pac is able to elevate a match against the British Bulldog, who definitely has his limitations as a worker and as a. Uh, as a star in makes a, a, a decent match out of it. Well, I want to, so uh, I just want to highlight before we go too deep into this match, I thought triple H had like an okay promo. There was one, one joke he made about somebody's chances being the same as uh, going out and finding a, a good set, uh, a complete set of teeth in the crowd. <laughs> uh, I thought, you know, always good, good uh, heat to attack uh, British people's teeth. Um, also I thought like, it's kind of crazy. Remember when like, uh, God, back in like 96 or something when, uh, when they, when like WWF would come to England and everything would be switched around and, you know, the bulldog would be like a huge face because everybody there loved him. And it's super interesting now to see like, even in, in the UK, like, when the bulldog shows up, he's just getting booed lustily. Yeah, there's no no hometown rub going on for uh, Davy tonight. Or David. Yeah, I wonder I'm if sorry. that was like David. I wonder if that bothered him. <laughs> or if you know, I don't know if he's just like, yeah, no, this is the way my character's going right now. So they're going to they're going to boo me. It's fine. But I don't have anything else about this match i don't know about you guys yeah nothing no it was solid but it was short it wasn't a lot here mm-hmm. and we followed that up with the uh a three-way tag team match featuring the hollies edge and christian and uh the acolytes well before that they had the hollies doing uh the very famous admin costello routine of stones are pounds and pounds are money and uh, that's the and money is the guy who's on first base. Stones is pounds and pounds is money. I think was the the exact quote. So can't even get oh, really? the uh, can't Jesus. even get the subject verb agreement going on right there. I like the Hollies. I think it's I think it's this is like a fun stupid gimmick for two. I think this for two guys it works. Um, I kind of like their sort of like a screwball routine. I'm charmed by it. So Bobby, there was um early on in the match, there was a move that Christian did on Crash. Yep. Uh, where it was like something where he's like spinning him in the air or something. That looked really. I thought it looked really cool. What was that? I would call that a tilt a whirl inverted face plant. So they're facing. They're coming at each other. Uh, facing each other. Christian picks him up. It will be considered a gut wrench. So like bent over with his arms like closed around his abdomen. Uh. And then picks him up, I believe, like over the shoulder, like a power slam. But in the, it ends up like spinning him around tilt a whirl style. So he's spun out with his head outward, his legs closest to Christian. As Christian like falls into the face plant. It's a pretty cool move. Yeah, yeah, it is a pretty cool move. I liked it a lot. 
But Erica had a bit of our own little Abbott and Costello back and forth trying to talk about it. Because Erica's like, I want to talk about this move at 132. And I was like, one hour and 32 minutes into the pay-per-view or one minute and 32 seconds into this match? Or, and I tried to look for both and it was very, because it was very confusing. Third base. And then a lot happens. Uh, You'd be surprised. There's a lot of moves in one minute of wrestling. So even that full one hour, <laughs> 32 minute, I was like, wait, this one or this one or this one. <laughs> um, Yeah. I, this was one of those matches where I was like, man, Christian really does do good work. Yeah, they, they, yeah, he was really well respected. I mean, still is to this day as being just like a really good worker. But he's a little on the smaller side. That probably is what held him back. Uh, and also, Edge was the bigger star, I think, and, and between always shined a little brighter. Uh, Christian's like a blonde X Pac, a Canadian okay. X Pac. Nah, <laughs> I don't. I don't even want to commit to that. And we'll be going very deep into uh, Edge and Christian and their rivalry with the New Brood in an upcoming deep dive. Oh, until you said and their rivalry in the New Brood, I was going to say, hold Bobby back. He he definitely (laughs) wants to go real deep into Edge and Christian. Well, their hair is too long long at this point. Too long. That (laughs) that hair is too long. And also, doesn't Edge look a little bit like a cat? Also, Edge has a bit of a cat cat face. face. I agree. But when he cuts his hair short, though, he's, he's a handsome man. I said it. <laughs> I stand by it. <laughs> wow. Hot takes here. Controversial yet brave. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and then I think we have like a 40 minute recap of what happened on Raw leading up to this so that they could set up the cage. <laughs> <laughs> I was like watching this going, oh, so we've got 40 minutes for Rock and, and Triple H. And then I was like, oh, actually, it's going to be like 25 minutes because they... They need to put that cage down. So funny, I literally the exact same thing. Yeah, I thought when I was watching it, they were setting it up. What I forgot what I was gonna say, and I got confused. Oh no, (laughs) sorry. But I definitely had have written down after the recap that there's 35 minutes left in this show with just uh, the Rock and Triple H left to go. Yeah, I thought we were gonna get a bulldog. I thought we were gonna be rewarded with the the actual bulldog title match eventually. Yeah, I thought that too, right? Um, I actually wrote in my notes earlier on when, when Bulldog's like, I'm going to go see Vince because I deserve a title match. I was like, Bulldog, this isn't how it works. Like, You can't just ask for title matches and, and, and get them. And it turns out I'm right. You can't. Uh, so so that's you know that never came to fruition. They actually were going to give Bulldog a title match, but then when he, uh, he threw the, the trash can, they just didn't want to reward his bad behavior with a, with a treat. Right. Go stand in the corner, yeah. Bulldog. They rubbed his face in the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was The Rock talking about? Like, I, I, I love The Rock. What, the Willy Wonka stuff, I did not understand what that reference is. Is that because Willy Wonka is British? <laughs> was he just doing Willy Wonka? Willy Wonka's British, so I'm going to talk about Oompa Loompas. Although, like, aren't there Americans in Willy Wonka the movie? Yes, definitely. Mostly the Americans, Oompa Loompas are from Oompa Loompa Land. Yeah, and, and the said, Oompa Loompas are from Oompa Loompa Land. And he said so. the, the little purple Oompa Loompas, which we all know that Oompa Loompas are orange. Right. I think he's talking about Violet Beauregard, but he, uh, but who was he, just... But he knows enough to bring up the everlasting gobstopper, so I don't know. 
Is that knowing enough? I feel like Everlasting Gobstopper is like base level. I don't know. I think that's deep enough in Wonka lore. Like yeah, if he brought up Mike, if he brought up Mike TV, I'd be like, "Wow, okay, I guess The Rock really likes Willy Wonka." The actual candy Everlasting Gobstoppers were my favorite. Like they were really good. Like the mid nineties. weren't Weren't they sucking candies? Yeah. Yeah. No. Why? What? <laughs> <laughs> why? Why would you like a a, a sucking candy that much? Because it tasted good. Yeah, they tasted really good. They had, and they had layers to them, and then they had a crunchy middle that you chewed once you got down to it. Huh. I thought the middle was a little chalky. I don't know. I, I, the middle was my least favorite part. I thought. I think the fact that it's everlasting kind of like intimidated me. I was like, I don't want this forever. I want to f- eventually get through with it. Well, the worst was, and they did them on Pen Fifteen this season, where those big, the one, the actual like jawbreakers you would get. The jawbreaker, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was or that that was, was everlasting, and you would like eat it over days. It was like the grossest thing on earth. Yeah, no, those things, those, yeah, they had like hair on them by the end. It was disgusting. Like, sitting on your desk on a napkin, and then the napkin Ew, gross. gets all stuck to it. I at least put mine in a Ziploc bag, like a like a human, like with some <laughs> dignity. Yeah, no, um, though I think I think like I know the everlasting gobstoppers are. Um, are smaller but yeah the jawbreakers i thought were the most disgusting fucking thing i didn't understand why anybody wanted that but that was everlasting it was like honestly by the end it was like a sisyphean sort of stone that you were stuck with and you're like i don't want to eat this anymore you eventually like threw half of it out at least yeah i feel like the right move is to take a hammer to it early on and just break it into nice even pieces that you can eat over time all those jawbreakers actually had like a rubber bouncy ball in the middle but no one ever knew because no one made it to the middle i mean they look like (laughs) they look like lacrosse balls right yeah and hurt just as much oh by the way uh when when rock shows up uh, it looked like he had a dime bag taped to his chest. Missed that. Yeah, definitely. Missed he that. had like a like a some sort of um like I don't know if it was a patch or a band aid or whatever, but the way it looked, it just looked like it looked like he had like you know had a little little like a uh, plastic baggie that he just like taped to his chest so he could get through airport security <laughs> or something. <laughs> this is a really fun match. Um, it's I mean it's definitely like raw main event caliber, but. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, I was sports entertained. <laughs> ha! Uh, there was a there was one time where I think like uh, like Rock like maybe jumped off of the cage or the ropes or something, and um, and Triple H caught him in the stomach with a punch, and then Rock and like it's it's a it's kind of a ridiculous bump the way he took it. But Rock gets hit in the ch- in the stomach and then does a perfect uh, front forward flip. That was like that is true gymnastics right there. Mm-hmm. Like he he like he basically like jumped, gets hit as he's as he's hitting the mat and then like does an, like a perfect form fo- front flip to take the bump. It was awesome. I really liked um, when it looked when uh, Triple H was giving the Rock the pedigree. It looked as though Rock headbutted Triple H in the dick as it was happening. Yes, and I, yeah, that, it did. That, I feel like that's a really cool counter to the pedigree that I'd never seen before. 
Um, I also I also like that you know this kind of went in a it went in a real weird direction, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, they did a whole out they, they basically worked in a whole outside the cage sequence uh, that felt like it was supposed to be the end, but then it wasn't the end, and it, you know, uh, but you know they I think uh, I think they really gave that crowd what for, if you will. Then you get the ridiculous moment where the rock is is out of the cage except for like an arm i want to say and bulldog is is pulling him stopping the rock from like just falling straight down and he would have won yeah they they do a really bad job uh of like finding ways to sell uh a person like climbing out of the ring and not being able to make it out and having to climb back over like there were a lot of ones where it was like, I've got your your briefs right now. I'm and like, oh man, I gotta now I gotta reposition myself by climbing back in the ring. Like, yeah, <laughs> like they, in reality, none of that would happen. They definitely have their own world rules to kind of like increase mm-hmm. the tension at like certain points because once I, I agree, I think once you're at that top of the cage, there's really no stopping you from escaping. Uh, so they kind of have to manufacture these like weird physics of like, yes, but he's got you by the hair and you can't possibly like swing him off or just like jump. You have to, like you said, climb back in. Uh, so yeah, I I think that does get a little cheesy, but once you sort of like admit that's like, you just accept that as true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which you kind of, I feel like traditional steel cage matches like this are actually one of my least favorite gimmicks. Yeah. Agreed. I, you know, like the, the hell in a cell, I mean, although we've only seen maybe one or two good ones so far, uh, Hell in a Cell is a lot better as a concept. But we've seen a lot of really good ones in recent years, like in contemporary times. I think Hell in a Cell is one of the matches that more often than not really delivers. Uh, They get really, as the years go on. I just really wish that they would retire the pay-per-view Hell in a Cell and, and start like the organic build. Like I'm, I'm honestly, I'm kind of happy that they're not going to be able to do war games this year, to to rest that, um, to give that a rest and then make it all the more special when they finally do bring it back. The other big takeaway for this match for me is China might be the ultimate tweener in the late '90s. Yeah, because... I mean, honestly, this moment she's playing face and heel at the same night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really dope. That's interesting. I didn't, I didn't think about that. I thought you were going to say the ultimate takeaway is that uh, Skull does not beat Steel, uh, <laughs> which is what Michael Hayes pointed out. I'm like, man, I trust you on that, Michael Hayes. You're right. I think <laughs> I think Steel will beat Skull uh, nine out of ten times. And if it's Power Rangers, Bulk will beat Skull. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Wait, Bulk and Skull. I thought I th- thought we got rid of the uh, the DOA. Uh, any final takeaways, guys? Nope. Um, let's see. I hated uh, I th- I hated the Schmaz ending. I thought it was stupid. Uh, I think I think like the big takeaway I got from this is Bulldog is just dumb. Like I wasn't sure what he was planning on, but. He seemed to just be like okay beating on Rock until uh, Triple H got out of the cage, but he also seemed to be a little confused that that happened. Uh, and then also, 
bulldog is is so dumb that Vince thinks that he can lock the bulldog in a cage where clearly everybody has been showing that you can climb out of the cage, but bulldog doesn't know how to get out. Mm-hmm. Well, he's crate trained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually he's going to develop kennel cough in there. <laughs> if he leaves, he'll get separation anxiety. <laughs> he'll chew up the carpets. Ready to take it home, guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For years, WWE hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards, and we end each episode of Hell in a Cell Phone with our own version of the Slammies in a segment we call For Your Reconsideration. I'll go first. Uh, I give this this pay-per-view the Henry Ford Award for Most Efficient Matches. Um, (laughs) They were on they were on pace for like 14 matches on this card. (laughs) Uh, I was like, like at one point I was like, wait a minute, are we 40 minutes into it? And we've had like eight matches. How does that happen? Uh, (laughs) they did a lot of, as you, as we uh, alluded to earlier, they did a lot of front loading, uh, to leave us, you know, 30 minutes of, uh, the rock and triple H pounding on each other. I'm going to give the slammy award for, I see what you did there to a sign that I, that said, Ivory, in parentheses, gives you the, and then under that, horn, with two exclamation points. <laughs> I did Ivory see that, too. gives you the horn. And I was like, okay, first of all, be like, what do we know about Ivory? Ivory poachers, Ivory horn, got it. Ivory, mm-hmm. what, Ivory horn, what's a play on words there? Ivory gives you the horn? <laughs> you know. Does that make you horny or is your dick the horn or like what I, so I guess really uh, I didn't actually see what they did there, but uh, I thought that sign was spectacular and I did pause and, and like zoom in like enhance to like I, get the full write up on that. I have it written down differently in my notes. I have it as ivory. I give you the horn. No, I am. No, it was gives you, it was gives you the horn. And, and in parentheses, no less. Also the parentheses I think are important <laughs> to this. <laughs> Because ivory horn. What's, wait, I which part is the part in parentheses? Gives you the. So it goes ivory, and then in parentheses gives you the, and then the word horn to show you that ivory horn is the reference point, but gives you ivory the, horn. Yeah, like a horn, like an ivory, like a horn of ivory, like a, an ivory tusk. Yeah, but you, I, you ivory horn is like a a, a phrase, like, like a a set of were two words I've heard together before. And Are yet, they? Yeah, but what I've never heard is the phrase "gives you the horn." What does that mean? No, yeah. Um, well, I I think it's from that that uh, famous line in Austin Powers: "Do I give you the horn, baby? Do I? Do I? <laughs> Do I give you the horn, Ivory?" <laughs> <laughs> Parenthesis. <laughs> And I'm going to go with the Godfather Award to the British Bulldog. Not the uh, the good time wrestler, but the Marlon Brando role, because anytime the British Bulldog talked, it was like his mouth was stuffed full of cotton. Anytime that the British Bulldog talked in there, it was like he was in the moment where he was transitioning into an actual bulldog. Like a curse has been put on him. He's trying to speak English, and then all of a sudden barks just come out. Uh, he's like an anamorph. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's an animorph like he's one of the ones like halfway between on the cover of the yeah, book where it's like exactly. not all the way on one side not all the way the other somewhere in the middle <laughs> oh 
man. Oh, so uh, what, one of our fans out there, please, can you do a Photoshop of the British Bulldog into a Bulldog on an Animorphs cover? It would, uh, it would please me greatly. I mean, if you're going to take that much time, you could also just leave us a review. That also, <laughs> like, that... That's less work than than the uh, the Photoshop that you would need to be doing, but you know, just as effective. Or do a Reddit. <laughs> or do a Reddit. Uh, we're asking our we're asking our, our listeners to be gay, do Reddits. While we're on that note, love us, disagree, want to slam our heads with a cage door? Let us know. Email us at HelenaCellPhone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at HelenaCellPod or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slowpass. Our theme song is There Are Traders in Our Mitts by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and view us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We've got two weeks of new deep dives coming up, but join us again soon for No Mercy 1999. But like the other No Mercy 1999. It's very hard to get through all that because Bobby <laughs> sent a picture of an Animorph cover with a pitbull, I think it was. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's even better right there. <laughs>